0: Welcome to this reflection of the life of Jesus Christ. I'm not sure what you believe or don't believe about Him, but for me, I believe because He set me free from the pain of my sin and took away the fear I always had about life beyond the grave. Hi, I'm Byron Tyler, and you might be in a growing relationship with Christ and plan on spending time at a church or a sunrise service to celebrate His victory of rising from the dead. Maybe you're someone that a relationship with Jesus Christ seems kind of silly, something your grandmother does. But I really hope you'll stay tuned for the next half hour. We're going to reflect on the time Christ spent on this earth over 2,000 years ago. Is there something significant about his time on earth that could potentially revolutionize the way you live or take your painful life and broken hopes to create something new for you? My friend Mike Spradlin has studied the Bible in depth for many years. He's actually the president of a theological seminary, but better yet, Mike loves people and has a great way of helping us understand what the life of Jesus Christ is all about. We sat down and recorded this conversation. It's our reflection of Jesus Christ. Let's listen. Dr. Mike, I want us to look inside an empty tomb today. Didn't start with an empty tomb. We know Good Friday was actually the day that we remember the sufferings, the pain, that Christ endured on the cross on our behalf.
1: Absolutely. I think that when you think about um, the events there, it's a word that doesn't come up often with the cross, but the word is intentional. Uh, This was not uh, uh, God's plan B, but really from creation, the Bible says that Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so if you think about that and you kind of use your sanctified imagination, you know, if I could use that phrase, Byron, From the beginning of time, from the Garden of Eden, Jesus knew that he was headed to the cross. So this day that we're celebrating today, it was on his mind. For all eternity up to this point and all the events of the Old Testament as you read through that you can think about whether it was Abraham answering the call to God or Isaac following the Lord Jesus himself knows I'm a little closer to the cross today when Isaiah preaches and talks about the suffering servant Jesus knows I'm a little closer to the cross and and then our Lord Jesus is born of Mary, a miraculous birth and every step of his life he's getting closer to this moment and so that's why you know it's not just a, a few years of getting ready for the cross but the night before when in a sense last night as we would think about it when he's weeping let this cup pass from me for all of of recorded history at that point he's known this moment is coming when he is perfect pure holy god is going to have the sewer of humanity opened up the spigot opened up and poured out on him and that's what's going on today some say mike that we have a bloody religion why did jesus have to die it shows you that, that, in a sense, it shows the righteousness and justice of God. You know, our God is not only loving, and he is very loving, but he's also holy. He's perfect. And so he doesn't just say, well, I'm going to ignore sin. I'm going to ignore wickedness and vileness, and I'm going to do nothing about it. He says, I want something to be done, but a payment must be made, there is a debt, a sin debt that that is has occurred because of the sin of men and women, and so Jesus had to die to pay that sin debt, so in the sense that it's bloody, praise the Lord that there is a sacrifice. Um, the Old Testament sacrifices in and of themselves don't take away sin, but they all point to Jesus who takes away sin. So so they were really supposed to be a teaching device. The Israelites, when Jesus dies on the cross, should have said, oh, that's the application. I got it. Oh, that's what all that was about. And many of them did recognize it. Some missed the point. But but the, the whole idea of a bloody religion, you know, sin is wicked and it's dirty and it's bad. and And that's why it takes something dramatic to make it right. Scripture teaches us in Isaiah 51, which, again, is a a prophetic
0: chapter of the death of the life of Christ, Mm -hmm. even the death of Christ. It says that, and I'm
1: paraphrasing here, but that it pleased God to crush him. That's right, in the sense that when you recognize there's only one way to be right, and that is a payment must be made. So if Jesus doesn't die on the cross, that means that all humanity um, is sentenced to separation from God, which the Bible calls hell. It's a, it's a terrible thing to think about. But God, in his love, wants us to be right with him. He wants us to be saved, if you use that biblical term, and redeemed. And so, so that's the pleasure is that not that God said, oh, I'm, I'm so glad this happened in that sense, but that I'm so glad there is a way for my creation to be restored to a right relationship with me.
0: Let's move back
1: and look at this
0: day when Christ, he left the Garden of Gethsemane after praying, Father, as you mentioned, take this cup from me, not my will, but your will be done. That's right. That time he was betrayed take us on from that place.
1: Right. And you have to understand that our Lord is is physically exhausted at this point. I mean, he's been up all night. He has gone through so much severe stress and trauma, not just the false trials, but now as he is being taken out, there's a beating, the cat of nine tails, this whipping, and these whips are designed to shred human flesh. They have sharp objects embedded in the, the lengths of the whip. So he's lost a lot of blood as the whipping happens, the crown of thorns being put down on his head, the purple cloth that would have been put around him and then taken away later would have reopened all those wounds. Physically, he's going through dramatic turmoil. Um, He's forced to carry his own cross and whether some artists will depict it just the cross beam or the entire cross, either way, it's, it's a heavy load. And so the physical travail is beyond imagination. And then finally, ultimately, he's taken to be crucified. One of the things about crucifixion is crucifixion is not a form of execution. It's a form of torture. So the Romans had other ways to kill people. They would behead you with a sword. If you're a Roman citizen, that's the only way you could die the death penalty for a crime. Crucifixion was envisioned by the Romans. They adopted it from somebody else, but to give you the most physical torment that they could possibly inflict until you finally died. Whether it was hours or days later, so it 's a torture device, and so Jesus, when those spikes are pounded through his hands and feet, and the cross is lifted up and dropped into the earth, the physical torment is beyond what I can imagine. However, you know you think about all of that and the the stress and there, there are medical doctors that have talked about the physiological the physical effects on Jesus, but really. Beyond that, as terrible as all that is, when sin touched the Holy Son of God, our sin, my sin, your sin, our listener's sin, everybody that is listening, when their sin, at that moment, and that's when it happened on this day 2,000 years ago, at that moment, that hurt Jesus far worse than the physical pain because he, as God, hates sin. He, as God, had never known sin. He, as God, has never experienced sin. And all of a sudden, all the sin of all the people of all time Billions of people's lifetime of sin, billions and billions of individual acts of rebellion against God, of all the wickedness of humanity, all of a sudden, boom, it hits him. And only God could survive that blow. And that's where, yes, physically, it's a traumatic moment, but spiritually, uh, it's devastating. That's why it took the God man to pay for our sins.
0: And of course, Mike, Jesus willingly did this. That's right. When he went to the cross, as you mentioned, he carried his own cross when it came time to him to be nailed to that cross, he just willingly lied down on the cross. They might have laid him there, but I mean, it wasn't any fighting going on. He wasn't trying to run away from this. Right? He bore it
1: himself. That's a very good point. And the idea there is that our Lord Jesus, you know, the nails didn't keep him on the cross in that sense. It was his love for us that kept him on the cross. He knew that he was the only hope for us. And he also knew this pleased the father and so our lord Jesus as the as a lamb that is led to the slaughter the lamb goes to the slaughter now in the case of a true lamb in its innocence doesn't understand what's happening in Jesus case he knows full well what's happening but yet he is silent before when
0: again going back to Isaiah as that's a right. lamb before
1: its shears is silent so he did <clears throat> not open his mouth that's right that whole Isaiah 52:53 passage is talking about these these moments on the cross. And so while Jesus is there, it's really, it's not gory, it's glorious to think that anybody would show that much love at that moment. And Jesus, in a sense, on the cross, gives us a glimpse into the heart of God the Father. John the
0: Baptist recognized him as the Lamb of God. That's right. But yet, those religious people, the Jews of that day that had been trained for so many hundred years, the religious leaders, they did not recognize him as that.
1: Byron, that's a great point. In fact, um, I've been going through the Gospel of John again in personal study. I've been impressed again by how many times Jesus' own disciples didn't get it. He's telling them, I must go and die. I must go. And they're like, oh, no, Lord. You know, And, and whether it's Peter or the others, even Jesus' own disciples have a hard time understanding this concept that his death is is the plan. Now, it's not just the death. We understand, of course, as you and I are talking on this Easter weekend, it's the resurrection, victory over sin and death, but even they have a hard time getting it. Now, we can look on them in judgment, but you know the truth is, if you and I had been there, we'd probably had a hard time getting it as well.
0: Obviously, we have it written before us so we can see. That's right. <laughs> what do you think is most important about today, Good Friday,
1: that maybe the Christians miss, don't realize? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if we miss it or maybe we don't emphasize it enough, but the good news of the gospel, you know, gospel itself is the word that means good news, but the good news of the gospel is not that Jesus died. It's that he died and rose again. And that that we have to remember that that you know, we put an emphasis on the cross, and 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 rightfully so. We we put a cross, whether it's in the church building or on top of the church roof uh, on the steeple. But really, the resurrection is not just an afterthought. That is the gospel. It's that it's we serve a risen Lord who's in the world today. He's the victorious Savior. He won the victory over sin and death. And I think that as Christians, we need to remember that that it's the resurrection that really is the good news. It's not the good news that's Somebody died, but he died for sin and rose again. And and every Sunday is Easter Sunday in a sense. It's resurrection day. But I also think it's appropriate that we focus on Easter and really emphasize the resurrection in one service. I have no problem with that.
0: You know, Dr. Mike, there's many theories on Jesus' resurrection. Some say there's that swoon theory mm-hmm. that he didn't actually die. You know, he was just, his heart rate was at a real low, barely breathing. So they put him in a
1: tomb and then he was able to get up and walk away. Right. And that theory is certainly not new. On the one if you take it just the biblical evidence the bible says that he died so biblically there is no doubt the scripture points to that fact and so that's where you just have to say that the bible makes that argument a null and void argument but also just the length of time that he's in the tomb the fact that, that they have him bound in cloths the burial cloths as well as the spices and things like that he did not resuscitate he resurrected
0: some of the last words of Jesus was talking to that thief on the cross, you know, the conversation
1: when he said, today you will be with me in paradise. What right. do you mean by that? I think that what he meant by that was that thief had a change at that moment. He believed in Jesus in a way, not just saying, oh, I intellectually acknowledge that you are a real person, a historical figure, but he put his faith in him and he was saved, as we would say, born again, as you get in John chapter three with the conversation with Nicodemus. So Jesus says, you're going to be with me in paradise. Now, paradise in that case must mean heaven because it's going to be where Jesus is. People have had theories about what paradise might mean or what it could mean. But when Jesus says, you're going to be with me, me. That's the main thing. That's where you want to be with Jesus. So here it is. He tells him that as soon as you are absent from the flesh, you're going to be present with me, present with the Father, as Paul uses that phrase later on. Is this an example, Mike, maybe for
0: those who are listening who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ are thinking, you know, later in life, I'll have that relationship. Here's an example for me. I can wait to the end of my life and then maybe be sick on a deathbed and then pray that prayer to receive Christ and go to paradise. It's a very
1: good point. And I guess in one sense, you know, hypothetically, sure you could if you knew when the end of your life was, if you knew you were conscious at the end of your life. So why take a chance with your eternal soul? Why risk an eternity of hell on the hopes that you can outguess the future? We can't even predict the weather a month in advance. And so if you think you're going to know when your end is, also, there's such a blessing in being a Christian today. I mean, why wait? I mean, why would you want to carry the weight of your own sin? Why would you want to carry the judgment of God when you can have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Sin's forgiven. You can have all of that today. So for somebody that, that says, hey, I'm going to wait, you are, you are taking a risk with your eternal soul that is beyond comprehension. Now, on the other side of that, let's say somebody's lived their whole life and they say, you know what? There's no point in turning now. I mean, I've lived my whole life. I never turned to Christ. I'm not going to turn to him at the end because he wouldn't listen. He will. He will listen. Right up to the very end, Christ will save you. Jesus will listen to you. And so in a sense, it's an encouragement to somebody that may say, I've I've wasted my life. Hey, if you pray at the end, Jesus will hear you. But I would say this, because death can come suddenly and unexpectedly, um, nobody in their right mind that realizes they need Jesus should put it off. Talked about the practical ways that the resurrection can be applied to
0: us as believers today, knowing that, of course, this happened so many years ago. It's obviously relevant because that's what our faith is based upon, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Talk about the practicality of it.
1: Right. Every salvation is a resurrection event. So it's the resurrection power of Jesus, victory over sin. That's what saves us. So when you're saved, when you accept Christ as your personal Savior, that's resurrection power at work. So that's as practical as it gets. Also, the whole picture of the Christian life is that we've died to the old self. And we're alive in Christ. We have a new heart, a new mind, a new life. We're born again. So resurrection is not just a symbol of Christianity. It's really the, the motif or the theme of the Christian life is that, is that my old self is dead. It's gone. I am a new creation, a new creature in Christ. I am resurrected in Christ. The moment I'm saved, I begin eternal life with Him, and that eternal life will never end. So, so resurrection really is the design of the Christian life. It's not just a lesson for overcoming difficulties, but when I'm saved, I am now a resurrected person spiritually in that sense. The resurrection
0: might change the disciples' lives it gave them hope that they didn't have before you know when they realized that jesus christ was living again they were
1: willing to lay their lives down. absolutely it's a visible symbol of a spiritual truth and there's something about seeing it that that really brings it home and so jesus had told them you know i am the savior he had he had told them i am the the one who has come in those ways but when they saw him resurrected you're so right they got it it's like they had seen clearly in a way they'd never seen before the other thing is that for them too, they recognize that it's not just that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, but that they have an eternal life, that whatever this world brings, you know, we're so blessed in America, we really don't suffer persecution here. Now I know that there are some individuals within their family and maybe within a community here and there have been persecuted for their faith, and I respect that. But for most of Americans, the worst we suffer is inconvenience for Christ, not persecution. Other parts of the world it's very different. People die by saying I'm a follower of Jesus. But we recognize that no matter what happens, this world cannot take away eternal life from us because of the resurrection power of Jesus. And that's part of the good news of the gospel, resurrection power. You know, there's other people that have
0: religious beliefs on men who once lived, and those men have lived, they've died, and uh, you can go to their tombs today. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus Christ, you know, you, you've been to the Holy Land. That's right. You can actually go to what is believed to be the tomb of Christ. It's empty.
1: That's exactly right. And it's, you know, there's a debate about it, which in a sense is a great thing. I mean, we're not sure where he was buried because he didn't stay there very long. And, and uh, you know, the, the Bible uh, talks about such a, a short time, uh, just uh, three days, really just in a sense, part of three days. It's kind of an interesting thing. Sometimes people will try to date the crucifixion earlier than Friday because they say if Jesus was in the tomb three days. Then how could he be resurrected on Sunday? Uh, You know, Friday to Sunday is not three days. But common Hebrew usage was any part of a day equals a day. So he was crucified this day. Um, The new day, Jewish way of thinking, begins at sunset. So that Friday night is day two. That carries all the way to Saturday night. Saturday sunset begins day three. So Sunday was halfway through that third day and and so and in in a sense you and I use language the same way if i say hey byron i'm going to call you tomorrow you don't say whatever time i tell you that at exactly that time you know at at 10:17 uh, and 22 seconds and if i don't call you exactly 24 hours later then i lied to you no we recognize that any time of the day is is the day so so jesus clearly died on friday crucified on friday rose again sunday morning
0: and so it's another reason why we as christians celebrate being together in our worship services
1: on Sunday, absolutely, the Old Testament concept of the Sabbath, the day of rest, the seventh day, you know in a sense, the evening and morning idea is that the Sabbath begins Friday night, ends Saturday night, and so that Saturday would be the day of worship. So why did Christians change that because they they follow and preach from the Old Testament? Well, it was because They would gather on the first day of the week to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Being in the preaching ministry, I've often thought, though, every Sunday is Resurrection Day, and that in a sense, Easter is a focus, but it's not the resurrection day of the year. Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. So I like it in that sense that every Sunday we can talk about that. I do know that Easter is one of the, the holidays when a lot of people that are not regular attenders of church will come to church. Hey, that's great. Anytime they come is, is always good. But also recognize that, you know what? Every Sunday we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was midnight
2: on a Saturday when the announcement was made. They were having Jesus' funeral outside his garden grave. So great was the crowd that gathered at that dark and lonely place. As they told of the greatness of Jesus, a look of loss on each face. Tears filled the eyes of many. Others were seized by fear. If he was who he claimed to be, then how'd he wind up here? All I know is I could not see. Bartimaeus cried aloud. Then Jesus opened my blinded eyes, and a hush covered the crowd. I was caught in the act of adultery, when they threw me at his feet. Mary cried. All I know is that he showed real mercy to me. I only had a picnic lunch. I heard a small voice say, "Jesus blessed the five loaves and two small fish and made an all-you-can-eat buffet." On and on, they just kept coming with amazing stories to tell, like the woman who was forever changed when she met Jesus at the well. Hey, let me tell you my story, Lazarus loudly said. Jesus gave life back to me, and I know I was dead. On and on, they just kept coming. So great was his fame. If they think they can hold him here, someone said, why, they're all insane. And all at once the place got quiet, except for a hideous sound. Laughing, Satan himself showed up just walking, pacing up and down. Fools, all of you, I heard Satan cry. Your God is dead and buried, why, you all saw him die. Then like a mighty Russian wind and walked the Holy Ghost, Satan took two steps back, trembling, surrounded by a heavenly host. Why are you here, Satan screamed, when the Holy Ghost turned abrupt. The master left a wake-up call with the Father, and I just come to wake him up. When should I move the stone, Michael the angel of war asked. When you see the sunrise, the Holy Ghost said, then you can do the task. Watch the stone, Satan cried, as Demons fill the place Over my dead body will he ever rise The Holy Ghost said, whatever it takes Then the first ray of sunshine broke through with morning light What happened next was awesome And such an amazing and glorious sight With just a little push, Michael rolled the stone away On the cold, hard slab of death There the body of Jesus lay Demons tried to hold him down as Death straddled his chest. Hold him fast, Satan screamed, and Death replied, I'm doing my best. Then a demon shrieked, I saw him move, another cried, it's true. I don't think we can hold him here, we're doing all we can do. It was such an amazing thing to see, Death itself giving birth. As the morning sun came up, thunder rolled and a quake shook the earth. Oh, my God, I heard death say as Jesus opened up his eyes. You should have seen the look on old death's face when Jesus said, you got that right. It showed on Satan's face as with fear his heart was seized. Satan trembled and demons ran as Jesus shook the keys. Oh, great, where is your victory? where is your sting? As all of hell was shaken, all of heaven began to sing. You could hear the applause of heaven as God himself rose from the throne. Death had been defeated and there was a celebration going on. So I guess this funeral is over. He's no longer in the ground. Jesus rose with great power, proving you can't keep a good man down, so with a great ovation of praise, lift your voice and shout, Satan has lost the battle, and of that there is no doubt, now let all the earth rejoice, and all creation sing, Jesus is alive and well, and forever the King of Kings.
0: thanks for listening hopefully you've seen jesus christ today in a way you may have never realized maybe you were just reminded of some things that you already hold of great value getting to know jesus christ is hopefully where your journey is ready to begin be open to reading from the bible the gospel of john is a great place to start and discover more about jesus Don't worry about the things that don't make sense to you, but be willing to respond to the things that do make sense to you. We hope that you have a wonderful Easter. I'm Byron Tyler.